the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. From Talk 910 KNEW San Francisco, this is Rob Black. Rob talks about your money every weekday, live and local, from 10 to noon. Enjoy the show. Live from the Bay Area, your money, your life. This is Rob Black. I studied nuclear science. I love my classes. I got a crazy teacher. He wears dark glasses. Things are going great. with Brian Cooley today. Brian, the only thing I hated about you at CNET <laughs> was you wouldn't let me play my freaking fracking music. Nope, never would. So it was something that I couldn't get through on you. Now you're just going to make it happen every time we're together. I know. I'm at the point, Brian, where I know this is my last radio job at some point. That's going to come true. <laughs> okay. So I'm just, I push through with my own music and uh, program director here at Clear Channel, he's kind enough to put up with it. Beautiful. With that said, what was it about CNET Radio that you and I did? Because every day I get an email from someone who used to listen to CNET Radio. Every day I get somebody saying, that was fantastic when you did this. What what magic did you create? You were kind of the program director. Well, at yeah, when the magic there wasn't anything I created. It was the fact that we were doing it at an interactive media company, which uh, is the kind of company that will look at focusing and super serving, as we say, a market. I and mean, that means to do something that is uh, focused. You know, most uh, most broadcast media, the first word in broadcast is broad. Uh, we were doing a very narrow, focused format that spoke to people who had a real passion for technology and the money and business around it, which traditionally is not thought of as being a sustainable model in broadcast, and it wasn't. It didn't do well financially because it was very narrow and only spoke to a certain number of advertisers. But that said, look what happens today. Look at the explosion of podcasts, webcasts, YouTube video, all the different ways you can pick exactly what you want to watch on the web that you normally had to sit through television to get to, major network shows. It's the hyper choice era. And we were kind of an early blending of broadcast and extremely focused choice or or interest level. And this is what the media future is all about, is finding exactly what you want and being able to exclude most of what you don't. Which, of course, journalism pundits, they rue the day because it's like, well, nobody's ever going to want to watch a story about the ongoing, you know, 55-year peace process in the Middle East. They'll skip it. Whereas in a broadcast, you used to kind of sit through it because you wanted to get to that story they keep teasing about the kittens. But in the new interactive era, you go to exactly what you want. You consume specifically what you really want, and you skip all the rest. It's much more of an a la carte world, and it's also dealing with people's passions. It lets them zero in on them, and that's kind of what we were doing with the radio format. We were able to go to a really focused, passion-based sort of an interest area that was uniquely pointed and sharp. It's interesting that you put it that way because we know that Apple's got that application that you put in five songs that you like and you start you know streaming songs that you you know are relatively similar. Yeah, maybe news will get to the point. I I like kitten stories, but I hate child molestation molestation stories. So maybe my news will start streaming into things that I kind of like. Let's change topic here. Um, when you and I were doing CNET Radio ten years ago. 
Um, the big story, not even 10 years ago, seven years ago, the big story was the $2,500 computer becoming the $2,000 computer, becoming the $1,500 computer, becoming <laughs> right. the $1,000 computer. Remember how expensive they used to be? <laughs> yeah. And now I just bought a $250 netbook, and I'm actually using less technology in a netbook, but I'm happy with that. Well, the technology's been pushed out to the network as part of it. You, did, you bought a machine that didn't have a whole lot in it. It wasn't very interesting. You didn't even care what fast, what, what speed processor it had, and you probably don't even know. And it doesn't matter. Used to be we were all obsessed with the speed of our computer. Oh, I just got a 2.66 gigahertz. Oh, I just got a 3.0. I bumped up for my 1.6. And we all knew these speeds. Even Intel knew that had no legs to it. They eventually stopped even advertising the speed of their chips. No one even knows anymore. You get a Pentium, uh, you know, Core 2 Duo, and that's kind of what you know. You don't know what the speed is as much as you used to. And this is part of the idea of the hardware now has gotten overachieverish, and you don't need to really get too concerned about what computer you have. It's about the uh, size, the shape. And the cost of it, because all the really valuable stuff is out there on the network now. It's not in the box. And that's helped the machines. That's not the only reason, but it's helped the machines come down in price. Is they're not in quite such a nuclear arms race of constant hardware innovation now. No, netbooks, they came out of nowhere, the $300 computer you're talking about. And notebooks, laptops, full-size portable computers, easily had for $800 or less. A really good one. So this is a different era where no longer do you have to go really worry about the hardware. You need to worry about what you're going to use it for. And it's all about the services now and not about the hardware. That's it. It's about the services out there on the cloud, as we say, or out there on the Internet. It's the same phrase. And that's what makes the device so rich and interesting these days, which is nice. It's liberating for consumers to not have to say, gee, I better go buy a new computer every year or so so I can take advantage of the latest whatever. Uh, that isn't even an issue anymore because all the horsepower and all the processing and a lot of the hard work is being done out there on servers on the Internet and not in here inside your computer. I want technology in my car, which we've talked about. And yeah. You, you really enlightened me there. That was nice. Also, I want technology in my television um, because those are the two areas that I spend the most amount of my time at. Yes. Yes, exactly. And here's the big trend going on in TVs, and we're just starting to see it hit the market right now this, this summer, uh, and it'll be much bigger in the fall and holiday season, is Internet connections on the backs of televisions, DVD players, and home entertainment receivers. And th what this allows is for your TV to literally connect to your home Internet connection no computer involved, that's the key here, and to therefore reach out to any number of web-based video options, whether it's network television, whether it's Netflix delivering movies over the Internet to your television directly or through this little box that, that Roku makes. It's the idea of taking the web and turning it into a full-screen video delivery source, just like your cable provider. It's not about watching web pages or going to web pages. It's not about doing email on your TV. Some folks will do that. Some folks always will. That's not a big idea. The big idea is using the web or the Internet specifically as a new pipeline to deliver full-screen video competing directly with cable companies, satellite companies, and broadcast signals. And this is going to be a major trend in the next few years. What are we leaving out What's the next big thing? What's the thing that we have to pay attention for? What's going to, you know, shock and awe, so to speak? What's well, you know, down the road a ways, there's a lot of talk about quantum computing. You mentioned that earlier in the show, which, you know, that can be a very dense topic, but it's basically uh, extremely high-performance computing to a, to a magnitude we don't even have right now, both on servers out there that we connect to as well as on our desktop computers. Uh, there's also a lot of talk, of course, about some fundamental science, you know, nano technologies make a lot of things change. It makes a lot of difference in terms of displays, in terms of the silicon inside of a chip that runs a computer or a smartphone or an in-car device. 
But to bring it back, because I'm not really a futurist, I would look out a year or two and I would say it's a portable mobile explosion that is the trend in technology going forward, certainly for consumers and in many vertical uh, commercial applications as well. We have just begun to till the soil of the wireless, mobile, uh, smartly connected, high-power uh, wireless world where everything we have is a smart device and we can reach every service that we like to use from every device we touch. So if I'm in front of my TV in the living room, if I'm in front of my car or if I'm in my car in front of the screen on the dashboard, if I have my iPhone or smartphone in my hand, or believe it or not, if I'm sitting in front of my old traditional desktop computer, I have the same access to everything that I ever do out there in the digital world and with very satisfying performance. Right now, you can kind of do everything everywhere except for the car, but it's really uneven and very full of friction and very kind of awkward. That will change, and so it'll be everything everywhere. That's a very, very different world than we have today where you decide what to do based on where you're sitting, which makes no sense, but we didn't have the technology to do it any other way until now and the next couple of years. Speaking with Brian Cooley from CNET, also from CBS, you should go to CNET.com. Brian, when I went to buy my netbook, I went to the editor's reviews, and I found the highest-rated netbook there is, and that's the one Excellent. I ultimately got. hope it was easy to find, too. That's always an important goal of ours. So when I read tech, I go to CNET. Um, what do you read? What do you see? What what consumes you when you're not at CNET? What's your, you know, your I sources? Use, I, use a lot of, uh, I use a lot of Google searches, saved searches. Because I like to uh, I like to focus on certain areas, and so I have a lot of saved Google News alerts. And so whenever news breaks with certain keywords around it, I get those in my inbox. It's been one of my favorite tools for a long time. And I'm always adding and dropping those because my interest and my hot buttons will change and other things will become stale. I don't care about them anymore as much. Um, so I'm always doing that. And I get lots and lots of you know traditional email newsletters from specialty uh, news organizations out there that you've never even heard of people who cover just the GPS chip business, people who just cover the automaker assembly industry, people who just cover the nanotechnology space for for, for biological stuff. Um, So I've got lots of those things coming in because that's where the cutting edge is. Uh, But I also, uh, you know, I pay attention to what people are talking about on the social networks. You know, one of the first places you'll find out what's hot is on Twitter and Facebook, especially Twitter, if you follow enough people that are technically minded or whatever minded, financially minded, uh, politically minded is to have a few people like that that you follow, and you tend to be caught up in the stream of what really uh, is hot at that time. You also, though, have to be aware of being caught up in an echo chamber because sometimes a few influential people in social networks can turn something, can turn a molehill into a mountain. I know that all too well with my blog here at 910 Kenny Daniel. Right, yeah. So. yeah. With that said, Brian, um, you're, an, you're the editor-at-large. You're Brian Cooley, CNET.com. You're a gentleman, Bay Area treasure, in my opinion. <laughs> I'd you. pay to listen to you talk. <laughs> well, good, because I'm going to send you a bill. <laughs> that's, that's perfect. <laughs> Thanks you very much. Was, you know, this was free, didn't you? Oops. <laughs> <laughs> send it to Clear Channel. <laughs> All right, Rob. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, for, Brian. Top-notch. I'm left speechless listening to him talk. It's the Rob Black Show. We're talking tech today. I'm Rob Black. You're listening to Rob Black, 910 AM, more stimulating talk.
1987. Jane's Addiction. Jane says. Are those called timpani drums? Timpani drums? The little kettle drums? Song carries drug references to stop using. She works in the office and at night she uses. So it's a song about a chick who does drugs. Steel drums. Steel drums, not timpani drums. Timpani drums are the big uh, drum roll, please. So, um, okay. Getting your teeth cleaned. How much does that stink? Going to the dentist. Always feels strangely overpriced, and yet the insurance is never quite right, and the way they handle you, never quite right. I think Obama should pass health care for more dental care, and I think he should start with the state of Arkansas first and foremost because you can clean one tooth pretty easily and pretty cheaply. And I think at that point in time, we'd have our trial program of what free dental care would be like, and we could expand it to, well, the rest of the United States. Let's talk about some of the big stories that are out there. And again, this is the Rob Black Show, and you can call the show, 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. Got a good show for you today, and um, pretty good show for you. Maybe not the best show ever, but a pretty good show. ABC's going to be doing something new with their TV programs that they're launching this week. This is that first week of the new shows, and what ABC is going to be doing is they're going to be putting commercials later in the show. Now, why would they do that? Last year, we saw Fox do Fringe, where they did limited commercial interruption. They, A, don't want you to fast-forwarding through the commercials, but B, if you stay with them for 20 minutes versus 10 minutes and that first spot break comes in, well, you may more likely like their story and stay for all 60 so with eight comedies and dramas premiering this fall, seven of them in the next few weeks, Disney's ABC, Disney's Southern California Company, making the unusual move of reducing the number of commercials in the premiere episodes of their new shows. You know, that seems odd. Tough economy. You'd want to milk each and every commercial break for as long as you can. Cougar Town's coming out. Modern Family in the middle. And these are all scenarios where they're going to be doing the first commercial, not at eight minutes, but more like the 15 to 20 minute break spot so that, again, you linger longer and don't change the channel. Again, what is this all about? It's about my favorite person, Chuck Darwin, him and his boat, the Beagle, and about evolution. TV has to change their ways if they're going to deal with the Internet. Now, again, the Internet's not going to, you know, it's, it's not going to totally change television, but got to change your ways a little bit if you're going to, you know, stay with the times as it's. Um, needing to be with the audience, so to speak. So I like that. I like that story a lot. And again, we can learn a lot by evolution and in investments. You got to evolve as well. You can't stay static quo. Static quo ain't going to cut it. Big stories today: U.S. home prices rose three tenths of a percent in July. Yay! Mortgage delinquencies set record. Boo! And the mortgage delinquencies and the arm resets. I did a big piece yesterday on arm resets, adjustable rate mortgages, and how the arm resets are going to keep high end real estate in California going nowhere because the arms are heavily tied towards the high-end $1 million home. Long story short, real estate's stuck in the mud. In my opinion, can we get data points that look good? Yes. Can we get back to 2002, 2006 glory days? Speaking of which, they just pass you by. Anyway, can we get back to that? I don't think so. I think 2002, 2006 will be the best three, four, five-year period in your lifetime for real estate. Now, what's a lifetime? I consider a lifetime 40 years. Um, do I think we'll have another dot-com internet bubble? I do, but once in a lifetime. So it'll come along. 
it'll come along in biotech form. It'll come along and cure for cancer form. It'll come along in uh, Propecia and grow hair on men's heads form. It's going to come along in some other form than the dot-com. Big stories out today. Taxpayers are benefiting as Citigroup and AIG top sector gainers. AIG is showing some signs of stabilization. Well, of course. A congressman yesterday said, we're going to change the terms to be, again, more favorable for not once, not twice, not three, but the fourth time. We're going to make your life a little bit easier. China is talking about their ability to cut emissions, and they're saying, we'll think about it. I wish I had a good Chinese accent. We'll think about it. Not a very good Chinese accent. And I probably just offended every Chinese evil dictator on the planet, which good for me. Big IPO today is A123. I talked about A123 yesterday. I also talked about Shanda, big IPO. A123 is tied towards batteries. It's tied towards car batteries. It's tied towards hybrid car batteries. You know those hybrid cars that you see on the road? What do you need to know about them? They got not one, but two batteries. They got the regular battery for the gas-powered uh, firing part of the engine, and they got the hybrid battery for the hybrid powertrain. That's a new market, and that's a fast-growing market. Am I telling you to go invest in A123? I'm telling you to look at it. Insurers are raising fees. Now, that's kind of interesting. Insurance companies are raising fees right now. They need to raise their capital. Now, one thing that may ultimately happen is that they lose a couple customers, but that's okay to them. They could lose some sales as long as they're raising their capital. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. Let's go to David in Santa Rosa. Hi, good morning. Hi. I'm trying to get more um, in a deferred comp. I'm trying to hit the emerging markets in Asia, but I'm having a hard time because our deferred comp only offers like four funds uh, for international. And so there's one that I wanted to run by you. Okay, go ahead. It's um, Lazard Emerging Markets Equity. It's the LZOEX. Now, what sort of exposure do you currently have in your 457, 401k? Uh, 45 through uh, Vanguard Institutional, 30% through um, uh, American uh, Growth, the international. And then um, I have 7% small cap, 15% um, mid cap approx. I'd like to see a little bit more small cap in there myself. Um, give me just a second to punch this up. You you don't have a lot of options in emerging markets. No, I mean there's actually two new funds that they they only added two new funds, and then um, we've only had two internationals for a while. I'm having a tough time picking up your age through your voice. How old are you? Thirty six. Thirty six. So you're young. Yeah. I would definitely like to see a little bit more um, small cap in your portfolio okay. uh, because I think you can take it as far as the international goes, and as far as the emerging markets go. Um, consider. A heavier weighting. It's I can't tell you how many times I'll be sitting in a bar and a horse will walk in and the bartender will say, Why the long face? No, no, I can't tell you how many times I'll be sitting in a bar and talking about people say, Hey, what should I do with my portfolio? And I go, Easy. Get more international exposure. You're saying the ticker symbol on this one is L Z O E X? Right. I blew it by I put a K instead of an X. I think that makes me old. I'm starting to see K's as X's. Um Lazard Emerging Markets Equity Fund. Um it's had a volatile year. Are you okay with volatility? Yeah. So it's I, gone. I, I got 10, 15 years until I retire. And you're going to invest in this fund every two weeks through your 401k, right? Right. So if you bought this one, you're actually up significantly, even though it's gone from 20 to 10, 10 to 20, uh, because you bought it during the downtime and it's back to its uh, yearly high again. So that's worthy of mentioning. It's got a 2.5% dividend yield, which is nice to see. This one, this Lazard Emerging Markets Equity Open Fund, 
it's tied heavily towards large cap names. So it's emerging markets, but it's not crazy. Um, the fees are about 1.75%, 1.8%. That's a little bit on the high side, David, but that's what you get when you invest in international markets. Like, I, I don't even know what language they speak in Latin America or the Pacific Basin or Eastern Europe. And you, know, you have to pay someone to know the language. It is a four-star fund, which is nice, but that doesn't really mean that much. Um, let's take a look at the performance and the, how long it's been around. It's got no load, which is nice. Uh, a load means you have to pay to buy into it. Uh, so it's a no load. So you just pay the management fees on a regular basis. Um, best hasn't been around very long. Right. That's the negative. So it's tough to give comparables. Um, do, you, do you think it has sufficient China and Asia exposure? Or Figuring that out right now for you. Um, not really. A little bit of China, but not a crazy amount. Right. Um, they got a lot of treasuries. I like the fact that they got treasuries, and that's where those yields are coming in. That, that's where I was a little concerned when I saw that their highest, um, their highest. Is... That's that's actually a good thing, especially if you're trying to do a hedge against the dollar. Okay. If you're trying to say that, you know the dollar is not going to do much because the foreign currencies in the foreign money markets, as their economies do well, the value of their currencies go higher. So even if you only get a four percent return a yield on it, that may actually be a six percent real rate of return due to the appreciating currency. Um, oil and gas looks good. Oil looks good. Uh, a lot of Brazil, a little Philippine. I think this looks pretty smart. Um, uh, this doesn't look offensive in any way, shape or form. You're getting a little bit of everything, right. um, heavily skewed towards financials. So in your head of heads, know that a, a financial crisis would hurt them. It would kick them in the belly, so to speak. Uh, the telecommunication, the consumer goods. I like that. I think there's better funds out there, but I am not offended by this fund in any way, shape or form. And it, it the concern I had is that I have 30% in American Fund Zero Pacific growth right now, and so I didn't know if I was getting too much international exposure. What's that American? Give me that ticker. Uh, AEPGX. Did you call yesterday? Yeah. Okay. Why don't you split the exposure between the two? Hmm. Uh, maybe go 15% each. 15 each. Give me just a second. I want to take a look at the holdings again of this one. Awesome. Now, keep in mind they're both... Large cap blended funds. I don't think there's any mid cap or, yeah. or small cap in any international funds. We only have four options for okay. international. Okay. Call again tomorrow with another option. Um, I have no problem with you splitting between these two. I, I don't think that's a, a bad idea in any way, shape, or form. They've got very different types of holdings, even though they're both large cap holdings. Okay. Um, and the American funds is cheaper than the uh, other funds that we were just talking about. Right. On the one I called yesterday, that was a different ticker than the, the AEPGX I just talked about, though. Okay. Let me... Um, yeah, AEPGX, and this is bad radio because this is why I try to do only one per show um, or one per call. Um, good. They're very different names, so I'm not offended by... Uh, the two different funds. I think they're good choices, especially in the 401k, 457 type scenario. Thanks for the call, David. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. Anything goes. We could talk about Jimboree. We could talk about illegal immigrants. Something interesting is happening to illegal immigrants. They're going to Georgia. Why would an illegal immigrant be going to Georgia? 800-345-5639. It's Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. I'm John Cobell. I'm Ken Champo. We're the John and Ken Show. Join us weekdays from 3 to 7. Now, Rob Black 
on 910 AM, more stimulating talk. Trying to figure out, using my super analyst skills, what the song's about. Weezer, Beverly Hills. Hmm. Can't figure out what it's all about. 800-345-5639. It's Rob Black Show. Talk 910.com is how you can find us on the blog. You're listening to 910 AM. Uh, we got a new punch phrase. More stimulating talk. So I'm going to throw more sex into the show. Nah. I'm going to try to get more, a little, not controversial, but get you talking at the water cooler. Whether it be about home prices or immigrant population in the state of California declines. Now, I assure you, some people are going to love this story. Some people are going to hate the story. Some people are going to mistrust it. But there's some statistics in it that are fascinating. No, there, no, no. There's some statistics that are stimulating. Oh, next hour I'm talking divorce. That's important to note. I got another super attorney coming in. What's up with me and super attorneys? I think if I were a super attorney, I'd wear a cape. I'd wear a uniform. There's no doubt about it. Anyway, immigrant population in California declines. More than three decades of rapid growth in countries, foreign-born population came to a halt last year, according to census data. In California, which has a long history of attracting immigrants, the number of foreign-born residents actually declined, shrinking 1.6%. Clearly a consequence of what? The economy. It shows that these immigrants respond to the economy. Nonetheless, the figure also suggests a dramatic break from a long wave of increasing migration to the United States, particularly from Asia and Latin America, that followed the major change of immigration policy in 1965. Now, in the last two decades that preceded 2008, the country's foreign-born population grew at an average of almost about a million per year. Now, in California, the number of foreign-born people dropped 165,000 last year to 9.9 million. And a reversal in the state was seen heavily in Southern California. Well, you can imagine. It's just a hop, skip, and a jump from the border in Southern California. Los Angeles saw declines of about 5.3%. San Bernardino down 3.6%. Ventura County down 4.1%. But the slowing of the increase in California's foreign-born population it began well before the last recession. Now, why is that? Keep in mind, we changed our immigration policy in the United States back in 1965. So there's been many, 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 many years of illegal immigrants coming into the country. And then they say, where's the job market going? And they'll move to that job market because illegal immigrants are considered low-skilled workers. Now, I didn't say that. Other people have said that. What's a low-skilled worker? Well, it's a job that you probably don't want to do. Do you really want to be picking grapes? I doubt it. It's low-skill tie towards it, and it's a brutally hot day. Now, in the 1980s, many immigrants targeted California because their family and their cultural ties were in California because, again, it was a hop, skip, and a jump. The time jump from 1965 to 1980 is not that much. There, there was roots in California. Now those roots have gone all the way across America. The trend of immigration uh, follows the availability of jobs. The statistics imply very, very, very strongly that fewer people are coming and significantly more are going home. Now, interesting to note, two states that saw big increases in illegal immigrants, Georgia and Florida. Florida I can kind of get, but Georgia? That's where the jobs are. Now, if that's where the jobs are, that's where home prices are. 
And, you know, I told you that we changed our policy in 1965, and by 1980, California was a hotbed. And then they start going to other parts of the country. Well, one illegal immigrant will tell another illegal immigrant, hey, there's work over here, and you can get a house for one-third the price you can in California. So it's stretching away from California. Now, this Census Bureau survey also had some other interesting things in it. For instance, more workers are using mass transit. As gas prices soared last year, the number of workers driving to work by themselves slid to 75.5%. That's the lowest level in a decade. Percentage of carpoolers increased. How many people, what percentage of people do you think carpool to work? 10.7. That's, I didn't think it was going to be that high. So, I like statistics. Statistics calm me. Statistics calm me. That's why I like watching baseball. I don't really root for a team. I just... I know that if a guy is batting 333 out of the next three at bats, he's got he's going to get on base once. They calm me. Pitchers who pitch a 2.5 ERA, I know that I can count on basically one run every four innings. It's weird, right? I'm a little goofy like that. Now, the percentage of women age 15 and older, according to the Census Bureau, the percentage of women 15 and older who had never been married rose to 28.1% last year. It's the highest it's ever been. Women are putting off marriage. Now, the inflation-adjusted median household income, it fell in five states. California, Florida, Indiana, Arizona, and Michigan. California, the median household income is $61,021. Now, on a $61,021 salary, you know what average price of home you should be able to get into? Uh, (laughs) $150,000. That tells you. Our real estate prices are crazy overpriced compared to what we pull in on our average salary. If you do anything over $150,000 on $60,000 income, you're stretching yourself. Statistically, you're going to stretch yourself. Or you're not going to save enough for retirement. Or you're not going to enjoy life and go on vacations. Five states posted a household income up last year. So uh, Kansas, Louisiana, New Jersey, New York, and Texas. Texas actually had a pretty damn good year. As far as things go, American Community Survey also showed wide fluctuations from year to year in the increase in country's foreign-born population. Um, 1.86 million total in 2006. So those are the statistics that, I, I, I don't know, legal immigration down in the state of California. I thought that was a scintillating story. Now, 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. Financial Times... It's a London-based, UK-based newspaper. I like it. It feels like legitimate news without the American slant, i.e. there's no pedophiles on the front page. There's no molesters. There's no kidnaps. Unless it's like the king gets kidnapped or something like that. And the Financial Times reports today that Oracle Chief Executive Larry Ellison, he's talking with European regulators about his acquisition of Sun Microsystems. What was that word? I just said microsystems. I threw in like 19 S's into it. Anyway, he's saying Sun Microsystems is losing about $100 million. Now, again, a month. He's saying that the EU European regulators are taking too damn long to talk uh, to, to agree on this merger. He says the longer that it takes, the more money Sun's going to lose, and that's not good for anybody. Now, Oracle also makes database software. Mr. Ellison believes European regulators are misguided in their inquiries. There is a product called MySQL. And Oracle, they don't really compete at all. Uh, and unless the uncertainty about the deal has caused Sun customers to turn to rivals IBM and HP. Anytime a company like Oracle gets caught up in a lengthy reveal, 
competitors go, not competitors, but clients and customers go to their competitors because they know what they're getting. They know what they're, they know that when they buy this product, it's going to stick. The U.S. took their time and deliberations cleared it. So ultimately this deal gets done, but the Europeans have to do their job. And if they do their job, they'll probably come to the same conclusion the American regulators ultimately came to on the merger between Oracle and Java, Sun Microsystems. You're listening to Rob Black Show. 9, 10 a.m. Talk, 910.com online. If you want to get a podcast, if you want to hear digital super clarity, talk910.com. Or you want to call the show, 800-345-5639. I'm embarrassed by how few people call the show. I'm going to start doing the show from my living room. I'm just going to get on a loudspeaker. And uh, my neighbors won't like that, but it'll sound better. It's Rob Black Show, or I could do a podcast. And the podcast sounds just like this, too. I do a podcast from my house because the acoustics aren't good. It's Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. 800 345 9, a.m. More stimulating talk. is skimming why do you care rob black show i'll tell you in just a second why you should care about skimming coming up next hour i'm going to be doing a show on money and divorce or divorce and money see what i can pull out of my hat some of these theme shows are genius like jerry lee lewis in france some of them not so much i think it'll be good you can call the show 800-345- Five six three nine. It's eight hundred three four five five six three nine. Am I the only person who wants Kathy Lee Gifford dead? Probably, but I'll keep that to myself. So what's skimming? Skimming is tied towards credit. Roughly 101 million Americans will feel at most risk for identity theft when making a purchase with a credit card that requires the card to be temporarily taken out of their site at a restaurant. Skimming is one of the financial industry's fastest growing crimes. Worldwide ATM Industry Association reports over $1 billion in annual global losses from credit card fraud and electronic crimes associated with ATMs. Skimming can occur in a couple different ways. Most common is when a store clerk takes your card and runs it through the device that copies the information from the magnetic strip. Once that thief has the credit or debit card, he or she can place orders over the phone or online. Thieves can also copy the data on blank cards or white cards. White cards are effective at self-checkouts or when the thief knows the clerk and is able to sweetheart the transaction. This is the problem that needs to be tackled on a lot of fronts. A couple things you can do to cut down on your chances of becoming a victim. Be smart. Review your statements. It's the best thing you can do. 800-345-5639. Get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639. I want to talk about a fun company. Because next time I'm going to be talking divorce. And divorce is a good show if you're a 25-year-old hottie whether you're a boy or girl, because at some point in time you're going to get married, and there's a good chance it ends in divorce if you're not careful. Jimboree. Let's talk Jimboree. Ticker symbol G-Y-M-B. Is he really going to talk about Jimboree? Yes, I am. Is it appropriate investment for you? Might be. You know, we always talk about Asia's. That's where a chunk of your money should be. Jimboree's sitting at a 52-week high right now. Sweet! That's pretty good. 
Um, it's gone from 40 to 20, 20 to 51 this year. That's a pretty good year, especially since a lot of retail is in the, the down and dumper. And despite being more than a quarter of a century old, Jimbery, it's a San Francisco-based retailer. What do they sell? They're 25 years old and they're selling stuff to kids, toddlers. Every now and then, Jimbery stumbles like little babies do. But they've learned quickly and they've grown fast like babies do. Company sells clothes and accessories for kids in the United States, Canada, and Puerto Rico. They've got 615 Jimbery stores that carry colorful, fashionable play suits, rompers for kids up to 12 years old. Jimbery also operates 115 Janie and Jacks, which are newborn apparel. Outlet stores and corresponding e-commerce sites as well. Firm provides parent-child play programs. That's kind of interesting. It's another business. Like, hey, bring your kid in the store and we'll teach you how to hula. Bring your kid in the store and we'll teach you how to crawl over uh, foamy rocks. Parents dig that kind of stuff. Once you have a kid, your life's over. Your life is 18 years dedicated to that, that brat. And one of the things you can do is... Watch TV with them for only so long. And then you got to get out of the house. You got to go to the park. You got to go to Jimboree. You got to get out. You got to go to programs. You got to educate the, the little bugger. You got to feed his brain. So they do parent child programs. They also um, have seven company operated Jimboree play and music centers. That's interesting, right? They're in 30 countries. You don't think of Jimboree as a big old international play, but it is. Last three years, re- revenue has gone from $800 million to $1 billion. I guess if we're going to emphasize the word billion, we should only do that on trillion. Because billion's nothing anymore, right? I don't even know if I want to be a billionaire anymore. I want to be a trillionaire. Um, Earnings for Jim Bray, ticker symbol GYMB, have gone from $60 million to $93 million. Now, they do a billion dollars in sales, and they're only able to pull in $93 million in profit. That's not bad. 9.3% profit margin, not bad. Bottom line, earnings have jumped from a buck eighty-two to three twenty-one in two and a half years. I like I like what I'm seeing. I like it a lot. I like it a lot. Um, FBR Friedman Billings Ramsey, of which I used to eat lunch at Friedman's Billings Ramsey when I was working in the analyst community. Um, they did something kind of interesting. They um, they they did a lot of research. Uh, they're a big research house. They also had a brokerage business, not quite as good. They had a mutual fund business, which was good for a while, but some of them soured. But Friedman Billings Ramsey. Uh, they would make their employees stay in the building for lunch. But they made some damn fine food. So they would cater the food, and it was like they'd say, hey, you want to come over for lunch today? I'm like, yes. How often do you get catered food where you actually want to go to that person's job and get 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 your munch on? So Friedman Billings Ramsey um, upgraded Jim Burry today. $50 stock. They're calling it a $59 stock. They say market share gains and compelling product, best in breed management. Isn't that a great phrase, best-in-breed management? You think of best-in-breed in dogs. You think of best-in-breed in cats. You don't typically think management, but it makes sense. I've got a producer, Heidi. She's best-in-breed in producers. Her pedigree is top-notch. She purrs like a kitten on occasion. No, 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 no. Um, so best-in-breed management. That's a good statement. Management, success or failure starts at the top, and management's critically important. Critically important. Typically, when I see my management here at Clear Channel, I hide <laughs> it doesn't do terribly well because it's a pretty small hallway. But if I see John Scott coming down the hall, I, I typically dive into any other room that I can. And it's pretty obvious. I like to hide from management. Not a good micromanaged employee. 
But uh, Gymboree, uh, price target, 59 bucks. Uh, compelling product. Uh, good market share gains. They're taking away from Babies R Us. They're taking away from other people. Accelerating unit growth. What does accelerating unit growth mean? That means they've opened one store, and they're going to open another store. That's And then another store. So that's a unit growth. They got potential return to sustain positive comps and valuation. In good times and bad times, you buy your kids stuff. I don't quite get the people that go to Babies R Us to buy diapers at full price. I don't quite get the people that go to Safeway to buy diapers at full price. And you can buy them at diapers.com for 30% off. But there's people that do. Uh, They like convenience. They don't like uh, that online internet thing. So Jim Murray's got a negative low single-digit comp. And that's going to preserve, prove to be ultimately conservative. Store checks at Gymboree show controlled inventory and markdowns are well-timed. And they got compelling promotions and strong traffic and conversion. I'm not telling you to go buy the company. I'm saying you should consider it. Maybe not today when it's at a 52-week high. Maybe if Obama slips on a tripod and chips a tooth and people go, oh, no, the American president's down. Maybe there's a bad day on Wall Street. Maybe there's a correction before Yom Kippur. Maybe. I don't know. I, I don't know who you are. I don't know your portfolio. 800-345-5639. to get your calls on the air. Next hour, we're going to be talking prenups. We're going to be talking postnups. So we're going to be talking about taking your partner to the cleaner and the divorce. We're going to be talking about how California differs from other states. We've got all sorts of content coming up for you in that hour. See if I can't squeeze one more story out of the market today. Chinese President Hu Jintao. He's expected to commit China to reduce their carbon use, but he's not going to pledge any absolute caps in their greenhouse gas emissions. And you know one of the benefits of how we send all of our manufacturing jobs overseas? They pollute their environment. We don't pollute ours. Now, that could disappoint some diplomats after China's President Jin Hu Chao says it could disappoint some diplomats, climate change activists who have hoped for more from the world's biggest greenhouse gas producer. China is a dirty, dirty, dirty place because of their factories firing up 24-7, 365. Now, the United Nations Summit on Climate Change is getting underway. Mr. Hu is expected to say that China will include so-called carbon intensity targets in the next five-year plan. Now, the economic blueprint for 2011 through 2015, that promise could help China take the global lead in climate change debate. But they will not commit to using less carbon per dollar of economic product. They are not committing to reducing emissions overall. And that may fail to impress U.S. lawmakers, to whom activists are also looking for concessions if a substantive international agreement is to be reached in Copenhagen in December. Proposed U.S. legislation, it would impose caps, but manufacturers argue that it would hurt them in competition with China, who's not going to impose caps. China has to act as a good trading partner, or we will get angry. You don't want to see us angry. We tend to kick and scream a lot. It's the Rob Black Show. Talk910.com is the website. You can get a super secret, not so secret podcast there. Something I don't do on the air. I do after the show two to three times a week on a really good trade idea. That's at Talk910.com. It's the Rob Black Show coming up next hour. Divorce and your money. I turn around. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.